This week on The Clappers, Carl has the opening night of Miff, doesn't he? And who do you think he takes? Just you wait, okay? Also, we're talking about not reading books. <laughs> I think as Oscar Wilde might have said, there is only one thing better than reading a book, and that is not reading a book. Carl talks about... What do you talk about? Wild... <laughs> wildlife? Wild, wild palms? Wild handkerchiefs? Wildlife. Carl talks about dead wildlife lucky. and dead luck. Really? How about that? Wildlife and dead luck. Oh, all kind of, uh, that's there's good. a kind of mesh. It's good. We talk about Meg Wallitzer. Meg Wallitzer. This is a good podcast. This one. You should listen to this one. Okay? It's good. So I saw a great film at the festival. Don't talk about that. Cold War. Don't really talk about good. the film festival. You're I'm going to talk about cranky. the film festival. Yeah, I'm going to okay. talk. I, well, I, I am. Well, don't expect any laughs, okay? <laughs> All right, wise guy. You want some laughs? You're not going to get any from the film festival, <laughs> you glamorous film festival talk. <laughs> so, Andrew, have you have you been to see anything like at a gallery or anything? <laughs> nothing. Have you nothing. thought about going to see something? Hey, you know what I did? I read a really good book review. Did you? You know, sometimes you read a book review yeah. and... Because I, I don't, I don't really. You are really like putting yourself out there, aren't you? Just listen. <laughs> Shush. I you read a book review, yeah. And I don't, I don't read film reviews, right? I'll, mm. if, if something comes across my vision, I will watch a bit of the trailer, and if it looks so good, I'm just not going to watch even any more of the trailer because it looks so exciting. Really? Fun. Yeah, like the spy who dumped me. Yeah, I watched yeah. that trailer, and I had to stop it because it was too funny. Right. right? But I, um, we're going to talk about that in a in a future episode. Um, so. I read book reviews, mm. and sometimes uh, they, they, they're wonderful. They're excoriating, and they lay into the author, and they bring all this great knowledge that the author presumes to have, and, and it's hilarious and wonderful. Sometimes the review is so good that you go, great, there's a book I don't have to read now. Because I know all there is to know about I know. It. I've got so many books that I have to read that I need not waste any time. And the book I'm thinking about is... By Meg Wallitzer. Is oh, that yeah. how you say her name? Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. read her stuff, haven't I've you? I've read The Interestings. I think yes. it's called Female Persuasions. Yeah. The latest one. And I read a review of it in the London Review of Books. And it tells you everything that you need to know about the book. It tells you everything that a lot of other critics and really famous people have said about the book. And it gives you some deep insight, which always happens in the London Review of Books, into the uh, reviewer of this book. And one of the one of the things that I loved about this book about this book review was that I clearly not a book for me, and clearly something that I could enjoy reading about. Mm. No need to read. And I thought this is my subscription paying me back in spades. I'm getting such tremendous value from this subscription. How much is your sub- subscription worth? I believe with the currency and everything mm. like that, it's oh, it's hard to say this. It's it's around. 55 to 60 dollars a quarter a quarter okay so let's call that uh, let's call that what we're going to call that say 200 you're going to do the math 220 we'll call it 220 dollars a year okay yeah. now um how many do you get do you ask how many how many no i want to ask you this i want to ask you how many hours would it take you to read a novel like meg wallitz's novel that you have not read okay i'm going to tell you because there are f- 
464 pages in this oh, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in the per page. I'm not interested in the price per page. Oh, oh you're talking about the Meg Wallace no, book. No, you're sorry, sorry, sorry. How yeah, 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 take, okay. so I need yeah, to yeah. know how many pages gotcha. there are, yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, sorry. I can read a book in a day, day and a half, if it's got like 200 pages. Okay. Right? Yeah. If I have nothing else to do, obviously I have other things to do. Yeah. So I look, I normally read uh, three to five books a month, mm-hmm. novels and nonfiction. Mm. Some, some are like big doorstoppers, so they, they'll go over a period of months yeah, yeah. And, and as you know I write them down to make sure that, that when I die someone will find my file facts and see all the <laughs> books that I've read and be impressed with the life that I've led we've discussed this before there are no secrets between me and the listeners of the clappers uh, anyway Lauren Euler wrote the review of The Female Persuasion and the thing that, that I loved was she was talking about something that happens in the book and she said that um I think she says something like, and I found that really annoying, but then I find everything really annoying. And I thought, same. It's such same. a shame that you're already married. I mean, it's... it's like- <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but I'm not telling people don't read Female Persuasions by Meg Wallace. I'm just saying that for me, I had a tremendous experience in reading a review that told me everything and more about the author, about the book, about everything that the reviewer felt and thought, bringing her own wisdom to it about uh, feminism. And I thought, this is great. I There's a book I don't even have to put on the list to cross off the list. See, I just want to go back yeah, to how long yeah. would it take you to read it. Let's call it two days. Okay. okay. Let's call it, what, 16 hours? Okay, all right. Yep, 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 yep. What, yep. what price do you put on your labour? I'm not going to say. 30 bucks an hour, say? 50 bucks an hour? 20 bucks an hour? Whatever let's, the price. Let's make you a minimum wage worker. 25, okay, do, $20, do. $20 an hour. Why don't you make okay? me a $20 an hour, man? So yep. you've just saved $320, courtesy mm-hmm. of that review, right? You so you're 100 from, bucks ahead. And I've also saved the cover price. For the year. Book. Now, that book, these days, paperbacks cost some... <laughs> Extraordinary amount of so money. So 30, 30 bucks. bucks okay, probably. so you're 130 bucks ahead. Yeah, I know. I'm winning every time I don't read a book. <laughs> I'm saving money. I'm making money, in fact. I'm making money. Only if you don't read the book on the basis of a review you've read in your- In the London Review book. <laughs> and frankly, I should every time I open my wallet, there should be more money in there than there is, shouldn't there? Because of the books that I've decided not to read. You've just discovered this fantastic get-rich-quick scheme, or slowly. I hope. I, I have. But there's a question for you. There are books that are called- I've heard two venerable Australian female broadcasters describe them as- Plain reads as a good plain read, right? And and I've also heard a book dis- books described as a good beach read. Yeah. Now, I'm a bit. I've heard only heard women use this term, so I, I, I'm oh, sure. I th- no, I think no, that's I'm a not, little. No, no, I'm just saying I've only heard that. I'm mm. I'm not saying that that that's. I'm just saying this is the only times I've heard these terms has been when women have been talking about it, and. I'm not quite sure. If you, what if you, we, what I think if you like there. go and say become a fly in, fly out uh, yeah. mine worker, I'm yep. sure you'll you'll hear some men yeah. using those well, terms. Well, I'm, I'm just it's a good plain read. Heard, it's a good plain read. There's no mm. need to cover yourself here, Carol. <laughs> all right, I'll take I, responsibility. I'll take the responsibility on behalf of the podcast for on. saying that I have only heard women use this okay, term. Okay. I'm not saying that women are the only ones. I who think. Use it. I think unless I'm. Uh, Sorely mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think that you will find it It sits in the same space as the term commuter read. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, or airport novel. I mean, I think so when people are saying... Airport novels are a value judgment and quite a pejorative term. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that when somebody says it's a good plane read, yeah. that's what they're saying. Okay. 
And they're saying right. it is an airport novel. Okay. So airport Jackie, novel, Jackie airport novel, I think, is probably a bit more of a, a male term. Oh, uh, okay. So the, the business exec flying interstate or internationally will pick up mm. the James Patterson or whatever it might be. Who's the latter-day Wilbur Smith? Or James, well, James Hamid Patterson. I was reading about this the, like the other that, day. Right? Like 159 novels to his name, apparently. Really? Some, yeah, yeah. But, but James Patterson... Writes very few of those. He he oh. has a, basically a team of collaborators. Like Alexander Dumas, who uh, who um, who will write to a plot outline that he's provided. Mm-hmm. So he'll give the bare bones. They will go away and write it, and he will give notes on that. And that book will then be published as James Patterson with some, uh-huh. somebody you've uh-huh. never heard of, yes. and Ellen Nisbet. And for those somebody you never heard of, mm. uh, it's perhaps a, a leg up and a, a oh, start in the I'm world sure of publishing. They, they get paid. And I'm sure they do get paid. They probably get paid a lot less than he does, <laughs> well. uh, because basically James Patterson is a brand, mm. and that brand, okay. uh, you know, goes out there in the the embossed lettering on the front of the book, and it guarantees a particular type yep. of story and a particular type of uh, you know read, an Alex Cross novel or whatever it might be, and. Away you go, you know. So it's a really fascinating thing. I think Barbara Cartland probably did something a little bit similar. Okay. I think she must have because I don't see how else she could have produced three hundred novels or whatever it was over her lifetime, even if they were all the same book. And then there are the posthumous novels by people like V.C. Andrews, who the kids in my day enjoy. I never read any, but they were very popular with yeah. the kids. Those books. So Meg Wallitzer was yeah. described as somebody who would be a good beach read. I think well, the interestings, which is as I say, the only the only one of her novels I've read is I think a bit more than um, a beach read. It's teen fiction, adult, no, young adult fiction, no, right? No, 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 no. It was it it was about a group of uh, sort of upper middle class New Yorkers, mm. Jewish who met at a summer camp when they were kids, and it follows their lives over the period of several decades. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's no, I definitely wouldn't say okay. it's teen fiction, not okay. at all. No, right. um, I would say it's probably. Uh, literary fiction, but at the sort of the slightly more pop end of the of yeah. the spectrum. Meg Wallace is one of the writers of The Wife, the film which oh, we talked really? about. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. How just interesting that it show. all comes around. Isn't it like just? This? Isn't it just? <laughs> we, one would almost think you planned it. <laughs> I did not. I did not plan it. I did promise somebody that I would uh, temper my prejudice. <laughs> and and go and see this very interesting film called The Wife. And I intend on doing it this right, week. Right, okay. So so what you're telling us is it's another thing you haven't done this week. Thing. I have done nothing this week. I did finish a book by Neil Strauss, who was the author of The Game, and he was a journalist for the New York Times. Rolling Stone. Oh, The Game was the guide to picking up, up, pick up women. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, women. yeah, yeah, yeah. Guide to picking up for certain guys, like it's it's a it's a very it's a psychological experiment. Very certain types of guys yeah. who who are, are just maybe they spend all their time in their room. They've, they've got no social skills, they've got yeah. no abilities, and they go to these classes to learn how to turn themselves into alpha males. Uh, but he's written a book of his that came out. Um, I'm not sure when it came out, which of just interviews of celebrities and famous people, which, which are people I can't stand. And for some reason, there was something about it when I picked it up and just opened it. In the it may have been the interview with I don't know Britney Spears or pa- or, or, or Paris Hilton. Or it was just really strange, humorous, and interesting. The the uh, it's full of people from the 60s, 70s, and so on. A lot of them are dead. 
And I just ripped through that. And I'm not a reader of reviews, of, of interviews of rock stars or famous people at all. I had to look up. In fact, I had to look up some of them. Janis Joplin? Who's that? No, no, no. No, it's, it's, it's post, post that. So I, I haven't been completely and utterly idle, uh, I have to say. Uh, but I, I, it I, sounds like you've actually been using your time quite well. I have been. Watching. You've you've read a book and you've read a review to I've, avoid reading yeah, a book. Yeah, I know. I, know, I mean, great. that sounds like extremely I mean, useful. And, and I have to say that that please the the listeners out there who who from time to time enjoy reading books and perhaps might like even to be kept abreast of current trends in all forms <laughs> of literature and writing. The London Review of Books. It's good value, man. And I reckon they that paper only exists off like this private inheritance that is obviously dwindling because the money that they spend on it there was mm. one issue recently just on the grand on a, a, like an in-depth research essay on the grenfell tower right and they they put a lot of effort a lot of money into it and i don't think it's it, i don't think it breaks even even so if you ever see one in a news agent if such a thing as a news agent exists then have a flip through it, see if you like it. Saved my life, I'll tell you that. The London Review of Books, but I won't tell you how. If you had managed to get out of the house, one of the things you may have gone to is a really interesting piece of work at ACME yeah. in uh, Federation Square, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. Mm. Um, a thing called The Beehive. Oh, okay. Made by a woman called Zanny Begg, and it is an investigation of the uh, disappearance of a journalist called Juanita Nelson. Nielsen. I remember all about this. Do you? When I was you remember? A kid. Yeah. yeah, I was a kid when it happened. Yeah. In King's Cross. You would have been in, you, you were in King's Cross? I was a kid in King's Cross, sure. I was hip. Don't worry, man. <laughs> I went down to score some, some gear. I had an eye patch, striped t shirt, beret. <laughs> Swagger stick. Anyway, she was a, she was a uh, like a journalist who ran a community yep. newspaper called Now, and uh, she was probing around into connections between politicians and police and real estate developers and uh, in the cross and mm-hmm. the sex the sex industry. She uh, disappeared in 1975 and was presumed and continues to be presumed to have been murdered. And this work uh, is. It's a video piece, a video installation, and it runs for somewhere between about 20 and 30 minutes, and there are 1,344 iterations of it, all determined by an algorithm which cuts up segments, which orders segments of film to tell a different take of this story. And it's really, really interesting. I've seen, I've only seen four of the pieces. I mean, you could spend a very, very long yeah. time there watching yeah. all of them. Well, watching and watching and watching and still not seeing all of them. And in fact, Zanny Begg, the woman who made this piece, she, she grew up in, uh, in Melbourne but has lived in Sydney since 2000, uh, told me that she hasn't seen all of them. No. Um, How could you? But she's seen all of the individual pieces of footage. Which she assembled herself. Which she obviously. shot and assembled herself, yeah. indeed. Um, is she investigating? Is this just a pop it's, installation? Or is she actually trying to investigate what, what happened? It's a, somewhere between the two. I mean, it's, okay. not a, it's not exactly an investigative piece. Uh-huh. It's, not, uh, it, it's not sort of like, here's the killer, uh, or here's what happened, exactly. Mm. It's asking a lot of questions about what happened and why it happened. And why uh, it's never been solved. If I remember, it was to do with an investigation 
into a property development? Is that right? The, well, there are a whole range of, of uh, factors at play in it, but um, she she personally thinks that yeah. uh, the the person responsible for uh, let, let's call it a death because I think it's... Let's call it her murder. Let's call it her murder, indeed, uh, was a real estate developer um, and who who was buying up huge tracts of property in the cross to knock over mm-hmm. the Victorian terraces yep, to build yep. high-rise developments. Chevron went down. Now, I'm thinking Abe Saffron's name. Abe Saffron is linked in yes. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Look, it's it's Robert Askin was the premier at the time. Am I right? Or you might wrong? be right. I, I don't remember who the yeah. premier was at the time. No, nineteen seventy-five. I was in Queensland. We had a we had a, mm. an honourable government up there at that Dude, point. In your time. government was a <laughs> no shining corru- no example. corruption in the moonlight state. So I can assure all you. Of Central America looked upon <laughs> Queensland and thought, "How do we? How does he do it? So this how is does, how you do it. How does the Dutchman do it? Hey, how does he do it?" <laughs> We could be like ah, Jovioki Peterson. Those are the days. I just had a little dark flash there. Bet you did. Anyway, so this this sounds great and interesting. It's a funny thing. It's not a funny thing, but we in Australia, journalists as a rule don't get disappeared. It's pretty uncommon in in this country. Yes, in my head, I can't think of another another time that has happened. A lot of people were disappeared in Sydney at that time of all kinds of professions, but but in, in, over my lifetime, I can't think of another journalist uh, who has had has been murdered. It doesn't come to mind in Australia, mm. certainly. No. Um, I mean, journalists have died overseas, oh. certainly, but not um, Australian journalists have died no. overseas. But um, I can't think of one. I mean, you might sort of uh, Donald Mackay wasn't a journalist, no, but no. was a campaigner was and a campaigner crusader. Yeah, yeah, so you know, it's similar it's very, era. It's uh, very unusual, though, isn't mm, it? For it that is to happen. Yeah, I'm surprised that. You know, we're hearing about it again. It's, yeah, I'm glad. Well, it's a really interesting piece yeah. because it, it's uh, there's there's interviews with people uh, who knew her. There's reconstructions. There's dramatizations. There's uh, more sort of um, what would you call it? I suppose sort of uh, discursive um, flights of fancy kind of stuff. Pamela Rabe, the actor, appears in it playing uh, a, a beekeeper. Um, uh, but also playing sort of, uh, I guess you'd call her the, sort of the ghost or the spirit of Juanita Nielsen. She um, had a beehive, Juanita. She, she had a beehive, yes, and that is part of the reason of the title. Of the, of the title. Yeah. But the beehive serves as a metaphor for connected yes. communities and social interaction and a kind of a particular kind of uh, architecture as well that is constructed with the notion of um, community at its mm-hmm. heart. So it's it's a it's an interesting piece. Yeah, really. It's a really sad story, and and as with a lot of things, when you get a lot of the distance of decades between things like this, it's, it's often hard to remember the humanity of, of, of a real-life person, sometimes a, a dad or like yeah. a guy or a mum or someone who was very connected to their community, somebody who worked uh, for others, and something awful like this happens and there's never a body and nobody ever knows. Yeah. I mean, obviously, people know whether they're still alive now or not. It's another matter, but it's 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 terrible and it's yeah. tragic when this happens. Yeah, well, um, Zanny... When I, when I spoke to her, and forgive me for saying I spoke to her, I know that, I know that rattles your cage, it but it is actually my job to do it. So. Yeah, well, no, you, you say, you yeah, well, say okay. it's your job yeah. to talk to people. Yeah. Anyway, she said, yeah. she said that uh, she saw this ultimately not as an investigative piece, mm. but as a, a love letter to both to Sydney, at which where this kind of dark sort of unresolved Strange. story is a, you know, it's a sort of a... 
it's a bit of a stain on the city in some way. It's a scutcheon. And uh, and to uh, Juanita herself, who she said yeah. was an amazingly fascinating woman who spoke mm-hmm. six languages, including Arabic, which you know, nineteen seventy in the nineteen seventies is quite a remarkable and unusual thing. You would you would Most imagine? Most people couldn't speak English in the nineteen seventies, <laughs> so speaking six of any language, speaking two. Is certainly something to be admired. I manage too. I manage English and Strawn. I'm okay. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Well, this sounds so great. So that's at Acme. This sounds so, great. And how long is it going for? Until uh, November. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's free. In fact, you'll you'll be attracted like by that. that. That's you your know, price point, isn't I it? I love free. I also love the five dollar movies that Palace are doing this week. The Palace Cinemas have got all their movies for five bucks to, for another week. I think have they? Yeah, yeah. You just got to book them in. Pay three dollar fifty. Booking fee, fee. Yeah, well. but still, it's only eight dollars fifty. So you know, you can mm. see some Mission Impossible or some go and see the skyscraper or what's the, what's the, I am go and see the wife. I am, I'm taking advantage or of that to see the wife. The spy who dumped me. Yeah, look, I'm going to go see that, and we'll talk about it next time. Talk about that next week. Yeah, talk about. It. Andrew, one thing you don't even have to leave the house to watch. Listen, I, I don't know where you get this idea, right? That I'm I'm a, I'm a cosmopolitan flaneur. I'll have you know, I'm always out of the house, man. People see me everywhere. Everywhere I go, they Look, see. Going me. to your letterbox to retrieve your copy of the London Review of Books does not count it's, as it's leaving long, the house. Tell you what, man, it's a long driveway. It's a long driveway. It's a really long driveway. So, it's like I live in remote. Australia sometimes. <laughs> Do you ever driveway. go to retrieve the morning newspaper or the mail or whatever mm. in a in a dressing gown, slippers no, no, and no, no, pajamas? No, 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 no. You're fully no, dressed. No, no, yeah, 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 for sure, man. I, I will open the door in my dressing gown and pajamas yeah. and cravat yeah. and pipe. Yeah, but but I wouldn't cross the threshold into the world. In, oh, I lie. I lie. There is a lemon tree that overhangs our fence that has ripe, plump, juicy lemons that I consider it my duty to liberate from their boughs <laughs> with my secateurs. I have two pairs of secateurs, one I keep in the car. Uh, so, yes, because mm. I, I love some lemons in the morning, yeah. uh, I will go. Uh, but I'm, if anyone sees me, I'd be mortified. And I haven't been seen yet. I, it's just, it's, it's a, I, like if you come over, it's fine. But I just walking around in your pajamas, man, that's that's mental illness territory, right? Oh, I'd, I'd agree. Clearly, I agree. Don't suffer from mental illness. I don't own pajamas. No. So I have been that's, known. That's, I have been pleasant, known. That's a pleasant thought. <laughs> Carl doesn't own pajamas. You connect the dots, if you will. Carl walking around his house. Not wearing pajamas. I have been known to go. <laughs> I, <bet you> have. <laughs> I have been known to go outside to retrieve the newspaper yep. with a towel mm-hmm. and a t-shirt. <sighs> I think we can leave it right there. <laughs> in winter. So, in this fantasy world of yours, where I'm some kind of recluse hermit. Yeah. What? What are you? What are you? Where are you going with this, man? Dead lucky on SBS. Have uh-huh. you come across this? Uh-uh. No. Rachel Griffiths. Stars mm-hmm. in this as a as a cop. It's a four part uh, TV uh, crime. Oh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Series. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the yeah. effort. Looks, she looks really good in it. It's not annoying. <laughs> she does Do you not generally find her. She annoying? does not look annoying or self serving <laughs> at all. There's no vanity about this performance from the advertisements anyway. Mm. I might be confusing her with another actress. Uh, you could be. I don't know. I might be. I, I get them all mixed up. I, Sorry. Uh, I seem to have misplaced my key to your brain, so I don't know who you may be confusing her with. Can you tell me with. some things that Rachel Griffiths 
was in, apart mm. from the one about the cellist, because I did see that. It was really good. Six Feet Under? Okay. I'm got her. Yep. Same yep. woman. Yeah. We're, we're on the... But, but look... To be fair to her, I don't wish to, to, to you know, allow my own prejudices to colour anything here. Um, <laughs> it was the whole of Six Feet Under that really annoyed me. No. Every really? single part about it, except for Keith, the black homosexualist policeman. Yeah. He was great. Everybody else were whiny, middle-class Oh, they're problems that weren't even problems. They made me sick. I can't believe I even got sucked into watching it for as long as I did. I did like the music. The next thing you're going to tell me is that you didn't like 30-something. Yeah, I never saw it. Never saw it. And, and Friends. I, I made, think, I think you like, should, I I like Friends, I don't you? I think you should yeah. hunt out 30-something just to get a, like, a, a big jolt of outrage in your, yeah. in your no, no, Six Feet Under made me absolutely sick, <laughs> except for Richard Jenkins, who dies in the first episode. Like the <gasps> best person that could be in the show, and he's dead in the first episode. Okay, right. So, yeah, that whole show just right. like... Oh, like it's, it's did the middle class not have enough space in the media and on and, and they're struggling and to be heard. Oh, I'm feeling myself but, be sick. Talk, <laughs> I drink some of this nectar. Of Dead lucky calmness. Dead lucky is definitely not six feet under. It's it's a four part crime thriller. Uh, it it finishes on SBS now, but mm. there's a there's a month or so of it being on on demand. So yeah, if it sounds appealing, you can hunt it out and find it. Uh, it's it's a tight thriller set in set in Sydney. Uh, there's a there's a, a a guy who's like a, a career criminal, and he's killed a cop. Sort mm. of crops up in town again. So there's a bit of a manhunt for him. Uh, there's there's a murder in a in a, like a Seven Eleven type uh, convenience store, not referred to as a Seven Eleven uh, for reasons that will become obvious, and uh, and there's a young foreign student who becomes well, he confesses to to this murder, okay. even though he hasn't committed it, yeah. and so it's this kind of interlocking plot, mm-hmm. right? And Rachel Griffiths plays a, a detective called Grace Gibbs, who is. A bit of a loose cannon. She, we, we first see her in anger management um, session. I saw the that in the, in yeah. the trial. That was hilarious. Yeah, and it's a good, that, it's that, a made, nice that scene. made it look like something that I really wanted to yeah. see. I thought that was yeah. great. That scene. And uh, you know, the the the, the therapist says mm-hmm. to her, "So you're here because you have an anger management problem." She says, "Yes, that's right." And why do you think you are here in anger management? Because some people think I'm angry, and they happen to be in management. I don't know how you work with her. She's a lunatic. It's good stuff. Anyway, it's um, it it's got so much going on in it around the edges that that is really really interesting. I mean, as, as a as a crime story, as a detective story, it's it's fine. It does it does that job well enough. But it's got. Uh, it's got four, five, seven visa stuff. It's got students in overcrowded share housing. It's got Chinese kids who are here on their parents' dime and are terrified of not being high achievers and so will cheat on their essays and buy forged essays. I was going to ask, are we going to get into that? Uh, everything. That's, I mean, this, that's this, the this great, is, that is the great topic. This is the most SBS show yeah. ever made, I reckon. Paying it's, others to write your essays because you don't speak English. It's got it's got the the uh, franchise convenience store underpayment of Fantastic. foreign workers, but also of the franchisees being rorted, being ripped off by head office, being gouged by head office, and it's just got so much going on in it. 
And you could go, oh, ridiculous. There's so much. It's too much. I don't believe that all this could be happening. But this is all stuff that is happening in our society. Zeitgeist. It is very zeitgeisty. Zeitgeist. It's almost too zeitgeisty because it's like zeitgeist overload. You but, know. But I, I really, I, I really I'm, liked I'm, it. I'm for it, man. I saw the word zeitgeisty, word I would never use, in two reviews in the line review of books Well, it should, it should, I would say, be zeitgeisty if you were to... Really go there. I think you should go there. I think, you know, if you're going to use words like Schadenfreude, Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist and others that I yeah. Yeah. don't have Or you could just not use right them now. at you all. Could, you could even not use them and say it's topical. <laughs> you could say this is a topical show. It's full of topics ripped from the pages of today's news, mm. if there were pages of or today's news. Well, you could say news. it is very spirit of the timely, <laughs> but I don't think it has quite the same no. ring, do no, you? No, no. So no. very exciting. Uh, what's it called again? It's called Dead Lucky. Dead Lucky. There's four, and you can watch them back on SBS On SBS Demand. SBS On Demand. Yeah. Should you wish. And I think you should. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Mm. I remember seeing it and the end going, yes, I wish. Yes, I wish. Just wanted to finish by briefly talking about your favourite event, no. to which you're not going no, no, this no. year, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to talk about. Let's myth. not talk about that. I'm going to talk about. Myth. No, but you what I'm going laughs? to talk about. You want laughs? You, you're no, not going to get them no, now. You know what I'm going to talk about? I'm going to talk what? about opening night, right? Oh, of course no, you are. No, just oh, tell me bear with night. me. Bear tell with me. About me. How good it was. Bear with me. Well. As far as I can tell, most of the people there hated the film, right? I didn't. I, I liked the film, and I think under different circumstances, people may have responded to it differently. Can I just right? ask you what yeah. the title of the film was? Wildlife. It's based on a novel by Richard Ford. Richard okay. Ford is one of my favourite writers, him. although I haven't read this one. Um, it stars uh, Carrie Mulligan, yep. Jake Gyllenhaal, yep. and the Australian actor, young Australian actor, Ed Oxenbold. It's basically... It's a three-hander. It's about a couple with their teenage child. They keep moving around when the husband keeps losing work. He he's a bit of a bit of a wastrel, really. Mm. Lovely, good-natured wastrel, and they've got a deal where she's not working. She's not permitted to work. But it's also it's 1961 or thereabouts, oh, okay. and the opportunities for a woman to work are pretty limited. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much about the film. Yeah, yeah. What I want what I want to say is that Ed Oxenbold, who is uh, Sydney-based, but uh, has been in a couple of films that have premiered at MIFF. Paper Planes, he was in, mm-hmm. uh, and The Butterfly Tree last year, he was in. This is, you know, this is the first time he's been in a film that was opening night. He was there as the guest of honour, said, hello, great to be here, yada, yada. The film started, before the film started, before the film started, there was this trailer of this um, Jamie Foxx web webisode thing, you know, where he interviews people in his trailer. I don't know if you ever saw uh, a show called White Famous. Uh, that was a, the point where I turned off White Famous was yeah. a particular scene in the trailer. <laughs> in the trailer. Where I thought, no. What is this about? Just, no. Yeah, okay. okay. Anyway, the whole premise of this of this web, webisode, this mm. series, appears to be that scene in White Famous. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's a digression. The point the point I'm making yes. is that you could actually hear it, right? So he's, he's there's a little snippets of these interviews he's doing with famous people yes. on the couch, his blue velvet couch, and you couldn't hear it because they hadn't got the sound mix right. And this is at the Regent. The mm. Regent is a beautiful, beautiful venue, uh, but it's a big venue and there's... You know, there's the upper circle and mm-hmm. the stalls and the stalls at the back. You're mm-hmm. underneath the upper circle. Yep. Sound is probably somewhat challenging, I suspect, when you're dealing particularly with uh, with film projection. So they hadn't got the mix right. And I 
turned to my my um, my guest on the night and said, gee, I really hope they get the sound right before the film starts. And he said, of course they will. The film started for about 10 to 15 minutes. The sound was not right. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a slow movie. Yeah. It's a talky movie. It's a movie about relationships, right? Yeah. You have to be on board mm-hmm. <laughs> from the beginning because mm-hmm. you're certainly not being carried by the action, mm-hmm. right? Sure. 15 minutes and people started yelling out, Turn it up louder. Well, they paid a lot of money to they, go to opening they night. They paid a lot of money. Like, except for you. Um, why, <laughs> we, why wasn't I your companion for the free ticket to Miff to eat canapes and, and talk to Rachel and Hugo and Russell and I, June and whoever I, else you, you I thought it would be fun to take Jeffrey Wright, director of Romper Stomper, along to one of the world's slowest movies. And, okay. Uh, okay. and I said to him, you will hate this film. Mm. And uh, he said... I will. Coming of age movies should be banned. And yep. uh, and I see where he's coming from. I mean, he did. Yeah. He hated it, but he had a good time. So <laughs> anyway, my point is, my point is that it was a really, really disrespectful. It was a really disrespectful. <laughs> see, I'm laughing. Engagement. <laughs> well, yeah, well, people, d- people disrespe- yacking. People so pulling out dis- their phones. Who well, was disrespectful? The, the look, festival for not getting it no, right, or the people for yelling and I, I, it was a really unfortunate um, technological fail. Yeah. I think in yeah. in the or technical fail is probably the better phrase. Uh, in that they didn't get the sound right, and yeah. that's fundamental. I mean, you can't. Not you can't not have have the film being audible. Okay, yeah. so I understand people's frustration, but there was also a lot of drinking beforehand. So you've got a rowdy drunk audience. The yep. speeches go on too long. Yep, and people are out there with their phones, yeah. yakking by by the like by the end of the first act. I'd say half of the audience was gone, as yeah. in like they'd either walked out or they were mentally not there. It was just a bit unfortunate, yeah. really. Yeah, it's it like it's not the way you want to see an opening night film, and it, I, I've got to say it is a tough call getting opening night right because you want something that's light. Generally, you want something that moves briskly, is not too long, mm. that is not going to keep people away from the bar too long because really that's, that's what most there. people are there yep. for. Yep. Um, I've got one. Go e- on. Equalizer two. <laughs> Equalizer two. Maybe that should have been... People would have stayed for the action. (laughs) And being drunk wouldn't have mattered, right? Right. Explosions, gunfire, hand-to-hand combat, mano a mano, as we say in the ancient Rome days. Anyway, what I I would say is that for anybody who did see wildlife and kind of tuned out because they were having trouble hearing it or whatever... Uh, and for anybody who hears about wildlife and is turned off because of that, I think it's better than those reports would lead you to believe. Yeah, fair call. That's it for this episode of The Clappers. Join us, if you will, next time we do another one of these. We do one of these every week. So you can, of course, join us at our Facebook group, The Clappers Podcast. We've made it open. Anybody can join it yeah, now. there you go. We're, we're not, welcoming, very it's, welcoming it's, it's, over there we'll, now. We'll, we'll talk a, a little further about exclusivity perhaps in our, <laughs> next, in our next episode. Thanks for listening. It's been a hoot.